Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 31 of Universe Extended, the Planning Phase Syndicate discussion about all things Star Wars. Tonight, we're going to be covering Ahsoka, episodes 2, 3, and 4, because we're a couple of weeks behind. But what I want to make sure you all know is that this is a spoilers intended podcast for the next hour. Joining me tonight is Tim. How are you hey, tonight, hey. Tim? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. It's right. it's a little early for me usually, um, but uh, just getting off of work makes things. Uh, I get to watch Ahsoka and talk about my favorite stuff without having to uh, have any un, you know any other time to uh, you know forget about it. So it's works it's great really for me. fun. It's really fun to talk uh, to talk Star Wars and yeah. to uh, talk Star Wars with other people that want to talk Star Wars instead of me just yeah. going around and being like, hey, I'm going to tell you stuff. So, like, <laughs> like, who are you, you stranger? Leave me alone. Take your hands off of me. <laughs> also joining me is my co-host from Planning Face Syndicate, JJ. Where is your lion's hat, Gridiron? So I, uh, I, I gotta find out. Like, can you send me a delivery notice because I've checked my mailbox and I don't see it, dude. Like, it's all right. Like that. That's crazy, crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, that you is see, crazy. So I Tim, you, I know you missed it. We made a bet about okay. lions and giants, and. JJ now has to wear a lion's hat for the rest of the oh, season. For the rest of the thing. season. <laughs> and, and playoffs. And playoffs yes. and, and Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, no they're not making it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, no more football talk. Joining us tonight is Tim Wright. And Tim, we are ahead of a pleasure to have you back on. We haven't had you on in, it's got to been since Mando. Was it Mando? Yeah, I think it's been, it's probably been a year. Maybe yeah. maybe more than a year. I, I I've lost track of all th- ever since COVID. I don't know how to even look at calendars anymore. It's just like it's just all been like it's the after times right now. When that was the and then there was the before times and then there was that dark like two year period. And I know we're in, in the part that comes after the dark two year period because things are <laughs> a little bit brighter now. But, Fair enough. Yeah. So Tim yeah. joins us. If you don't know Tim from Crab Rock. Crabox channel. Crab um, no, that's the joke. It's crab. I like crab rock. I'm gonna have to get that domain name now. Uh, you should, and then we can put little pictures of your face on crabs, and they can just kind of run around and do Star Wars. Things. We'll do a rock band. We'll have a crab that's a drummer. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but awesome. anyway, Tim is joining us tonight, and we're gonna get right to it. We're gonna be talking some Ahsoka season one. Hopefully, there's a second. We don't know, but probably not. But maybe we'll get lucky. But we're gonna be talking episodes two through four tonight. JJ, why don't you kick it off with us? Tell us where we left off last week and what we're going to talk about tonight. So where we left off was the uh, the initial battle between uh, Shin and Sabine Wren and uh, leaving us with um, with her, uh, with Shin ending up uh, basically impaling Sabine with her lightsaber. And we got a great uh, view there of her uh, pretty much missing the majority of her internal organs. So in, in other words, she fared a lot better than Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we knew immediately, right? Because as soon as she got impaled, all of a sudden she's still like, swinging her lightsaber trying to back her off like swinging and stuff and i'm like okay there's hope she's still you know she's angry enough that she's going to survive this so you know she's she's going to be okay so uh we start off episode two with um with her in the hospital 
Um, and Ahsoka is off out to the area where the battle happened. And we actually get a scene of Ahsoka walking through the area where the battle happened. And you can see her extend out her hands, and she's using the Force to essentially uh, pull a quite, uh, Kinlan Voss, uh, which if you haven't read the Dark Disciple book, uh, he had the ability to use the Force to review the or to view the past of objects. Psychometry. And, yeah, the psychometry. There you go. Yeah. And she's essentially using this, and it's really interesting to see this in live action and how they pull that off um, with uh, with her being able to use the Force to uh, view the past and how things are happened. What do you guys think of that? I was surprised. I, I didn't think that, uh, you know, I didn't think that she had that ability. That's supposed to, supposedly something very few jedi have uh cal castus yeah. and uh in the fallen order and uh you know the series of games seems to have that too and they kind of make it a point that that's like oh this is my special power you know and, yeah uh, and i didn't know she had that so it's at first i was like oh that's kind of a kind of a thing but i'm not annoyed about it it's still a cool it, it made for a cool yeah. scene yeah, I think that like slowly with the Disney Plus shows, we're starting to see a lot more um, uses of the Force that have only been discussed in books. And I think that's really great for them to, you know, slowly expand the abilities of the Force. You know, we've seen in uh, Rise of Skywalker, Ray being able to use the, the Force to heal wounds. And that was also replicated with Grogu in Mando. Mm -hmm. And now using uh, the Force to 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 use that ability like a teleport it. lightsabers behind your back you know oh yeah that's right the teleportation <laughs> that's yeah, a really exactly. cool one because i would just put it like inside my opponent and turn it on you know <laughs> hey i left my lunch at home yeah. <laughs> can you teleport it to me sure yeah. oh man <laughs> great <laughs> so yeah so she um so ahsoka uh adventures eventually back to uh the area where she sees the uh, hologram of ezra bridger and then is able to capture uh the one of the hk droids that assaulted uh sabine and kept its head uh then we cut back over to Cetos, where uh we see the knights uh the former night sister uh use sith uh Essentially, which magic? witch magic, yeah, yeah, to unlock the orb there. Uh, apparently, you have to heat it to like 300 degrees Kelvin in order for it to display uh, the <laughs> the map. And uh, it, it's really interesting seeing this in live action, right? Because the only thing we've seen similar to this was well, what Star Wars Rebels when they used uh, like that uh, the Night Sister magic to, um, I guess, summon the or imbue people with uh, with their power, uh, yeah. like. Uh, Sabaja Press, mm -hmm. or when they or when they raised all the zombies, or oh yeah, when they raised yeah. all the zombies. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. Yeah. Well, you know what sucks too? They had that Star Wars Destiny game, and right before it got canceled, you got the Night Sister, and you were able to like have like an army of dead Night Sisters. It was like insanely right. hard to get off, but you could like <laughs> resurrect all of them. And there was like this weird little gimmicky thing. If you did it just right, you could have like six of them out on the table at once. Oh man, that's that's really cool. They actually just released Night Sisters for Shatterpoint too, and so I'm like, man, they're like, I really want them to show up in more things like Legion yeah. and stuff like that. Like there, there's a lot there, you know, especially with the we, video games too. Like building on the yes. Dathomir, it's cool. Well, yeah. I think we thought that they were all dead. <laughs> so spoiler alert, but we we, we kind of thought they were all dead, and now all of a sudden they're kind of coming back. Um, 
you know, they're just hiding. Hiding. We thought all the Jedi were dead too, and apparently there's like there's like a thousand of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we finally get to see, you know, the um, we get to see the ball expand, and we see the map of, uh, I guess, of the galaxy there, and it leads to it points to the direction of uh, an adjacent galaxy, uh, where we see it covered with a sign of uh, like all these purge all over there, and that's where um, they they say that that's where Thrawn is waiting and we get this moment where she closes her eyes and she, you can hear like some some background like noises and she says Thrawn is calling to me through space and time um when she said that I was like uh we do know that Thrawn doesn't have the force right like <laughs> well well so having read the books uh, in some of the books, like they talk about like the Chiss and how only the, the females have. The yes. And they call them Skywalkers. But uh, like they, they mentioned, like, well, have a ma- has a male ever had it? And it, there was like a quick like a throwaway line or something, how it was like exceedingly rare. And like and, I, and I've always had that wonder, like if, if Thrawn was, um, you know, like, had, latent, had latent force. Mm-hmm. A bit. I mean, they certainly they certainly go through measures to explain that since we are all part of the living force, anyone can, it, at least with a, with time and study, can potentially do it. Um, so I won't rule it out that he could have learned a little bit about the force. I mean, he is with Ezra after all. Maybe like they, they got out there and they were bored and they're like, well, you want to play a board game? And then they got in the talk and then, you know, maybe they, <laughs> they let bygones be bygones. And Ezra's like, well, hey, you want to learn how to, Want to talk to Night Sisters? Because uh, you know, well, Tim, I, know. I think one of the I think one of the big questions, right, that that pops up, right, and so JJ and I have argued about the force sensitivity of of Sabine and whether she's ever going to yield it or not. But I think the when you mention, hey, everybody has the ability they can do these different things. I think that they've been laying that precedent throughout the books that I've read at least for the last you know like ten years. But I think with Thrawn, the interesting piece is that if you think about how he tactically deduces like all of his war schemes and things like that, like it's almost like he has some premonition of some sort or some foresight or something that he he's able to utilize to be able to present all the different options and paths for a battle. Um, And that's kind of what the books make it feel like with him. Sometimes, yeah, I, that could be possible. I, I will admit, I, I feel like that would be a cop out, though, if if they did that. I, I don't think I would be as happy because I want Thrawn's abilities to be because of his mind. I want his abilities to be because of his study and dedication. I don't want it to be, oh, he was good because he had magic. Um, you know, what I think would be really cool is if it turned out that she was mistaken and that it was someone else calling yeah. to her oh well and i think we, we we aren't quite to episode four but for christ's sake i'm going to say at least through episode two and three we don't have a visual yet so yeah. i i mean like we're halfway through the series almost and there has not really been a big visual other than trailers for thrawn so it leads me to think that they use this as a selling point <laughs> it feels like so far for this yeah. series rather than like a bigger point, which is okay. Cause like the idea, the name of the show is Ahsoka, right? That's, that's really who we're here to see. Um, but those of us are, that are Thrawn fans, you know, I mean, for me, it's a little bit. 
a little bit harder not to want that. I mean, I played Armada specifically because it has Thrawn in it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I love, uh, I love Thrawn. He's, um, I, you know, I, I have a, a son who's on the spectrum and, uh, and I always thought that Thrawn kind of represented that, like a possible autistic superhero slash villain kind yeah. of character. And I, you know, love, you know, since representation is like a big deal now, I just thought like that would be really awesome yeah. if that's like that. And it really does kind of apply, especially when you get into the books about how he would be like socially awkward, but tactically brilliant. It could really, it really works. And love loving Thrawn, I just really want to see more of him. And I'm like, I'm going to be really annoyed if it's like, all we get is that one little clip of him at the very, very. I end know, me episode. too, me too. I yeah. like, I, I, I have that fear that that's what's going to happen, and then they'll save all the throne content for the the upcoming upcoming Filoni movie. I mean, they said the thing in the trailer. They said heir to the empire. They showed Thrawn in the trailer, so the whole show seems like hey, this is going to be the you know a Thrawn show. And granted, it's not called Thrawn, so you know you have a point, but. Well, I think right. moving moving on into the into the episode, right? So then we we see Ahsoka essentially talking with Hera. We talk through some of that. I think you know, like the next piece is we get Sabine, right? And it's like this commitment: is Sabine going to come back? Are we going to get to see Sabine come jump back into the scene here? And this is kind of a hotly contested scene because the next scene we get is Sabine essentially making the decision as everybody's trying to leave that she wants to rejoin Ahsoka. And this is where we learn officially learn that she's actually was some sort of an apprentice um, to Ahsoka because at mm -hmm. the very end of Rebels, you see that little glimpse, right? This tiny little glimpse into, you know, is she, is she not, you know, what it's going to happen. And she disappears with her. We officially get it. And then she does the whole Kanan sequence. She cuts her hair mm -hmm. short again, which must be a, a Mandalorian thing or a Sabine thing. I don't know which, but she does the exact same <laughs> sequence minus the shaving of her face. <laughs> to, um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to what Kanan does at the end of Rebels before um, the foreshadowing of Kanan essentially sacrificing himself for the greater good. Um, so, 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 Tim, what did you think of that that scene with Sabine? Did, does it really bring anything up? Is it just more of a filler point, or it, you think that it's going to have some significance? Uh, I, I like I like the ritualistic uh, nature of it. It's a very like a going into going into battle like she, you know, and I hope it's not foreshadowing because I think like it'd be a shame to just introduce this character to such a wide audience only to then immediately kill her off. Uh, but that certainly could be something that happens. But um, I mean, I, I just really like seeing her put on the armor in live action. That was a really good yes. moment because I was I didn't like that she didn't have the armor on throughout like up until this point so i'm like here we here we are two episodes in she's a mandalorian she's not wearing anything and so now all of a sudden you know we got the armor on and it looked good on her it was it was nice to yeah. see yeah definitely seeing her uh put put on the armor again and actually first bringing it out and assembling it and you can see that she's painted over her her pauldrons again uh seeing the the mask uh repainted again like seeing all those pieces it feels like a like a old sabine but with like new highlights and it feels very very nostalgic and it helps like show where she's at mentally right like she's ready to move on to the next part of her story and you know she's got her gear and she's painted it to move on to what uh, what's coming up with you and that's a, a really like nice point on it 
I, I hope we do see her paint at some point. You know, yeah. probably won't be until like the end, the final episode if they have a conclusion and then they do like a prologue or something like that. That's that, you know, because it's not appropriate right now, but it'd be nice if she had a oh, chance to do some painting. I mean, I I fully expect her to vandalize the um, the hyperspace ring eventually. You know, with her paint. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be cool. That would be that would be really cool. So if we if we move on, we shift. We get to see a hyperspace ring, right? Like, and essentially, that is the culmination of what we used to see Ada's, you know, go into. I mean, Anakin mm -hmm. and Obi used one of those. Um, I I don't remember a too much from the books about them. Um, I don't think they were ever like a big point. Um, in the books, but I could be wrong, I guess. Um, but it was nice to see the essentially the theory going out of this episode is that they we are getting something that can travel and we're putting two and two together that they're going after our assumption is Thrawn while Sabine and Ahsoka and Hera want to go after Ezra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously this, this thing being in the shape of a hyperspace ring, it's not meant to just go get Thrawn, but it's meant to bring the seventh fleet back, you know? And, and the, the problem is like, I feel like, okay, well, how many episodes is this show? Eight? I think yeah. it's supposed to be eight episodes. All right, we're mm -hmm. halfway through. There's not... What would be really cool is if there was fear of, like, another enemy, maybe Thrawn's in the middle of a battle, and then this, you know, with the Grisk or whoever else, you know, it is, and that there, the new enemy is going to put, potentially get the hyperspace ring and then invade, you know, and so, like, they're like, oh, this backfired on us. Like, that would have been so cool, but there's no way there's enough time for any more, like, crazy plot twists at this point, so... So, I'm, I'm actually... Uh, wondering on that right because you know the size of this particular ring you know they put in each uh superstar destroyer engines on this right mm -hmm. um and it's a massive ring like this looks larger than what would fit around a star destroyer now we saw in mando season three paleon was part of the the um the whole like mm -hmm. secret council uh, with both gideon oh yeah when he's they're talking here, about isn't it. he yeah yeah so it, it makes me wonder that not all of the seventh fleet has been lost and part of it is has either returned or they they would just transport it to a different spot where they were able to i guess escape the clutches of the Virgil. so like i i wonder if it really is intended for for the chimera or if there's a larger ship or another ship that they're yeah. going to go grab well, there's another super star destroyer that exists. It's That's the right. um, the Eclipse. That's right. Now, in canon, according to the books, the Eclipse is an executor class, so it'll probably look just like a super star destroyer if we see one on screen. Granted, we've gotten multiple shots of the New Republic fleet right now, and so like I think they could be building up for a big space battle, and I am itching. For yes, them. yes, mm -hmm. and uh, no Starhawk though, right? They were all destroyed. I don't know if yet by this point in time. I mean, I would imagine because Jakku's already happened, right? Yeah, I think and... I thought only one went down with the with the Ravager, so there should still be two more. I think one was destroyed, which led to the second one uh, with the gate. Um, led to get destroyed. Yeah, she a gate pulled it one down with the Unity, yeah. and then there was. I, I know there were two more, but I don't, I don't know. know if the third one survived. Yeah, you're right. We could I, have I always remember. built a few more too before the you know dearming stuff. So. Yeah, I guess yeah. they're still ripping apart star destroyers, so it's still definitely feasible that they could be building uh, Starhawks. But right, but I like the I like the new ships. Um, I was looking them up, and uh, the new Republic cruisers. Uh, they're just they're calling it uh, 
in a lot of places it's being called an unidentified new republic cruiser um or the vesper was the name of it but i don't have a like it it looks very mc mc30 mc yeah so maybe it'd be like an mc35 if you were to get the nomenclature for it or something like that but i don't know and speculating we'll, we'll get it eventually there'll yeah. be a book that comes out for the show and then we'll we have like oh like, I, lo- I love that stuff i'm like oh what did they decide give me their table scraps i want to eat them up yeah, yeah. so uh moving on to episode number three we go back to uh sabine now in full training mode practicing uh her slashes with uh what looked like a like a kendo sword right uh against uh young <clears throat> who apparently had Two additional arms that I completely forgot about, and it looked like a whole grievous battle. And he was using these training, I guess, lights where it would just highlight uh, where her slashes were, and it would identify the correct slash versus the incorrect slash. And I thought that was such a cool piece of training um, that they were they were showing for like lightsaber training at this point. There, uh, what do you guys think of that? Very cool. Um... I liked it. I loved the whole scene. It was, uh, I, I mean, shoot, it definitely had Grievous written all over it. Like my kids were like General Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the funny thing too with that is, is I didn't know he had four arms. I, I yeah, me neither. Yeah, I, I don't remember that in um in, in Clone, the Wars. Clone Wars, but yeah. may, maybe it is there. And I just, I mean, I actually just rewatched the Clone Wars. I don't know. It was probably a couple years ago. Two or three years ago, something like that. I rewatched them, and then I watched Rebels, and then Resistance, and then I actually just finished Rebels because of the show. But I don't remember ever this bloody little droid having four <laughs> arms ever. <laughs> but he would be an addition. I don't think he's in Legion, but that would be like a great addition to well, have. Especially to after Legion. today, uh, after the fourth episode, which I don't want to jump too far ahead. But yeah, it's good that yeah. they that there's a lot of foreshadowing. Like they, if they show you something, it's probably for a reason. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I definitely want him to like you know bring out like the all the youngling lightsabers, especially since they showed that Ahsoka had a bunch of lightsabers on the mm-hmm. wall. Like I want him to be like, okay, well it's time to go into insta kill mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. it's you got to think if he trains them, he has to be proficient, right? Like I mean, yeah. logically, he has to be a proficient battle droid. He just has yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I guess not a real battle droid, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but we've never seen him fight ever. So, well, yeah. And then up we get till a, this point, we haven't. Up until this point, we have not. Yeah, yet. we haven't seen him fight. Yeah, you're right. As so of, then afterwards, we get three. a we get a nice uh, a nice scene where uh, she we bring um, where Ahsoka brings out the blinder for uh, for Sabine, uh, so that way she can learn to. Uh, use her instincts in order to uh, be proficient with Blade. And it's very, very reminiscent of A New Hope uh, where Obi-Wan Kenobi is teaching Luke how to use the lightsaber and puts the blast shield in front of his face so that we can see. And just having those moments where, you know, Ahsoka would talk and then they use the audio clue to show that she's moved behind her and you're essentially like looking at this the scenario from uh, Sabine's point of view where she's trying to uh, like essentially strike Ahsoka as part of the training, and we get we get uh, little hints here and there of like Ahsoka or not Ahsoka of Sabine, kind of using her her rage in order for her to try to get more power to strike her, and Ahsoka is able to redirect her and like have her fall and trip and stuff like that. 
Um, like, what do you guys think of that? Like, do you think that we we got a little bit of the dark side there coming out of uh, out of uh, Sabine? I don't know. Uh, I think it was more frustration. I don't know. I don't think it was dark side because I don't think she's really in, you know in tune yet. Yeah, and I think that's JJ's trying to get you to side with him that he doesn't believe she has any ability to touch the force. So that's that's what he he's working very hard to get somebody to agree with him. I, I, um, no, I'll I'll never do that because I think everybody has the ability to touch the force at least a little bit. And I I go back to Rogue One. Look at uh, Donnie Yen, right? Um, uh, yeah, sure. Anyway. Yeah, sure. It uh, he he wasn't he no he's not like you know levitating apples across the dinner table or anything like that. But he was definitely in tune with it, and uh, but he had, that would also represented probably uh, a lifetime of study for somebody who probably had no aptitude but managed to make you know make lemonade out of lemons, and so that's kind of what I think Sabine is working on. We may see her you know move something a little bit or do something moderately insignificant but i think the important thing will be as if she can become in tune with the force that would probably help her predict an enemy's movements at some point you know so a little just a little bit of an edge and there is some foreshadowing for episode four because yes because there is something that makes you think that and then it's yes. like oh okay yeah. um <laughs> jj can admit at the end of this that i was correct <laughs> all right so then we move on to uh hera's meeting aboard home one uh where she goes to request from the, the new republic's council to assist with deploying uh deploying the military in order for them to uh find out this new threat that's coming up and we get to see the return of mon mothma uh which we last saw her in the andor series and we also got to see uh senator ziono uh make a live action appearance now if you guys aren't familiar with uh who senator ziono is he's actually the father of kaz ziono from the resistance show uh that uh that was not not the best but it yeah. was definitely a piece of star wars lore uh that we got to see during the um basically like the side story of like the rise of the first order and the events of episode seven um so it was nice to see that uh that part come out to um to live action i have a question on this one did you i i never actually finished star wars resistance but i remember you know kazuda ziono talking about his dad being a senator i think he made it an appearance or two by a hologram being like a disappointed father or something but I, yes. I seem to remember like some kind of scandal related to him so i don't know if it's if viewers who've seen resistance would be like oh this guy's actually working for the first order or if he's just kind of a normal guy who's yeah. loyal to the new republic who's just a scumbag yeah he so in in the resistance show he was very anti kaz joining the resistance because <clears> he felt <throat> that there were a group of just uh, fanatics that just wanted mm -hmm. to use their military ability to uh go ahead can I can, mm -hmm. uh to um to essentially you know it's an excuse to waste military resources and it wasn't um they did go on in season two to show that he did survive the attack on Hosnian prime um and later gives his support for kaz to to join the resistance and help fight the first order so we do see that end part of his arc up there but we don't see anything on beyond that because resistance ends at the end of season two um so we don't know his fate beyond that so uh, he's but, he's basically just somebody who's very much opposed he, he's legit and yeah and maybe a little inexperienced you know yes. according to Hera's like blazing rebuke of him in front of everybody else yeah yeah 
Ooh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's really interesting to see that because you know you start, you know, especially if you if you've read the books for like Bloodlines or for um, for Aftermath, you know, you get to see where the New Republic's mindset was going after uh, the Battle of Endor. You know, they're very much into the demilitarization uh, for for the army of the New Republic. And they they are very, very much opposed into going into further uh, military action because they are so opposed into going into another war. And that's what they've they acted on so much on this. And we get to see that interaction between Hera, who knows that this is a, a very, very big threat that's coming to the New Republic. And they're just basically tying her hands and not being able to respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I think as we move on to the next scene, we have a scene with Jason Sindula, right? So Yes. Um the little... future of the franchise right there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So somebody somebody's like, hmm, how do we make this kid the next face, you know, so we don't have to go out and find somebody later? Um, I will say out of this the most interesting thing is just Chopper. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't yes. care what anyone says. Like <laughs> oh, really? Chopper just following you around and and like yeah, so he's got green hair, kind of like they. So there was rumors. That's a great that, green. So it's really yeah, good it's hair great green. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there was I wish rumors. they would show his his ears because they showed that his ears were a little more extended um, than like a regular human would be in the end of of Rebels. Uh, but they gave him like really long wavy hair to like cover his ears. So yeah, yeah. And, and his leku, his leku are totally hidden. Yeah. <laughs> I say, we, we don't know because I don't. Have we seen like younger, younger ones? I don't yes. know. So in the Clone Wars, you had um, the one clone who rebelled and was with... uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. And those children... Now, from the story that I've read about, like the behind the scenes or that or whatever, like she already had kids, like her husband had died, so he married, so he was, you know, he wasn't actually the baby daddy, you know, but I was just like, well, no, Twi'lek children, even hybrid Twi'lek children have Leku, but no, I guess they weren't hybrids in that case. And frankly, this is just an easier way to use him and not have to deal with as much makeup and the costs of CGIing his effects and stuff it's just like oh hair dye that's five bucks let's go yeah and that's what, in fairness <laughs> that's what they did in at the end of rebels right you know like we get yeah. the brief blood and then, anyway there was rumors they were not going to do the hair dye stuff but here we are he, he's got the green hair it's yeah close enough to the 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 tv show to he can talk to his aunt sabine and, and she can dye his hair any color right exactly. like it'd be yeah. super easy <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. So then uh, we go on uh, forward to where uh, Soka and Sabine and Hyung take their Jedi shuttle to go to the area Cedos, where they're trying to track down where um, where the map to Thrawn is. And then they get ambushed when they come out of hyperspace. And we got to still hear one of the ships that was attacking that. This like got me excited for a hot second because it looks like a blend between the fireball from Resistance and the Belba Lab from the Clone Wars, uh, you know, just with those those wings and those engines and stuff. And I was like really really excited. This looks like a refurbished uh, Separatist ship that's attacking them on this. What do you guys think of this? I thought fireball right away. Yeah. But, yeah, but it was like wanting to freeze frame, but I was watching with the family, and they're not gonna like let me when I'm watching with the whole family. They're like, hold, like no, daddy needs to geek out some more. And like, let's, <laughs> let, the, let the episode yeah. go. Yeah, I think I think I thought Fireball as the same same as y'all did, but I, also if you look at the way that the her Shin specific ship is too, hers is different. So it's almost like we kind of got two ships instead yeah. of the one. And the one looks like it's just a modified Beelzebub, right? Like that's yeah. that's like 
It's, that's what I feel. But it's like they wanted to do, and this is going to drive people nuts because if you go back to the book of Boba Fett and you look at those stupid, um, like riders the, the that everybody cars. Was, yeah, exactly. Yes. Like, the hot rods, yeah. You didn't like the American graffiti? I mean, that's, no. that's like the George Lucas special. You know, like it's the most no. George Lucas thing they've ever done. It really done. is. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. It's, it's not my thing. But anyway, yeah, but that's I, what I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. I feel that, that that's what they did to this ship. Like they, they have two sets of them. We get the fireball esque ones. And now we got this weird, grievous bells above, you know, like, like, like hybrid with. That somebody said, "Hey, let's make it look like the '50s." Like, <laughs> like we thought that <laughs> was a good sci-fi. idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think this whole scene with them making the attack run on the ring uh, was—I apologize if you uh, you guys disagree, but it's—I I thought this was like one of the worst scenes I've seen. I, I, like, it looked it all had all had all the hallmarks of what could have been a, a space battle, and it was just a, like, oh, let's just keep the shields up, and oh, we're we're dead, like. I don't know, like you got had the ship dead to rights and still didn't kill it. So it was just, I don't know. It was just so, it could have been more of a dogfight. Yeah. It could have been more action oriented. And it was really just to like, will the shields hold? And I'm like, oh, you yeah. could have it, done so it much It felt more like that. Rebels. That's what that felt like, right? Yeah. It felt like a cartoon caricature rather than some of the live action stuff we've seen in the past. Yeah, like like Poe would have been like, no, let me spin this thing around and we're going to yeah. do this other stuff. Anakin would have been like, I'm going to clip you and I'm like, I'm going to ram your ship just enough to throw you off course. And like, you know, like, but like Ahsoka's just like, let's just fly straight and hope the <laughs> You know, I'm like, oh, come on, man, do some dog fighting. I, so I, like, and here's the thing, right? Like, I I wondered about the armaments on that ship, right? Because it looks like the only guns that they have on that ship is just that single turret on the back of it, right? And they have to literally turn the ship in order for it to like aim at different angles. I'm like, this is not really a good ship to go on to these type of missions. You want to at least have some type of ordnance somewhere because when the ships flew past them, you know, that would have been a perfect time to take a shot. And that ship had no weapons in the front whatsoever. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a plan. Like, hey, let me let them get in the back of my ship and take shots at me before I can adjust and take shots back at them. It doesn't seem like a really good design. It would have been a great opportunity for them to show something new, like, all right, we're going to do a micro hyperspace jump and then just like, poof, like just drop, jump like two exactly. clicks ahead. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, where'd she go? Oh, she's up there and they're shooting at us, you know, like do something cool like that, like that, you know, that might have, but that might have yeah. like broke the internet. And they're like, wait a second, you can't do micro hyperspace jumps. And I'm, I'm sure, yeah. sure somebody, I'm sure it's happened in a book already anyway. So. Yeah, not to mention, you know, we get a scene as they're approaching the hyperspace ring uh, that it has, you know, turrets on it. And they're actively taking shots from these turrets. And it's already been, like, hammered by all these fighters taking shots at it. Just how powerful are the shields on that ship to take that much beating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe they're, are they force-powered? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Spent a force, recovered two shields, yes. I want to yes. ask you guys something about the ship. And maybe you talked about this in the last one. Um because I don't know if it was episode one or two, but like when Sabine goes on Ahsoka's ship, there was a scene where she's looking at like these drawings in one of the bunks, right? Like these like yep. little, you know, and, and I'm like, like, who's, what was that meant? Like, did you guys, like, did anybody catch that? And, and it, I, I, don't, I know it's off topic of this particular scene, yeah. but who, like, I almost thought it was like, it, it was, I think the audience was going to think it was like she was remembering Ezra, but like Ezra didn't really doodle. Maybe it was something like when Sabine was on this ship, she was doodling, but like it looks like the drawings yeah. of a child, and she wasn't, she wasn't a child back then. So like, yeah. like, you think that's what it was, or? 
Yeah, that's how I took it. I took it that that was the the first drawings that uh, uh, Sabine did when she was became her first uh, the apprentice the first time. Okay. But you're right; it does look like it's the drawings of a child, so it just looks really off character for like if it was Sabine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because like, this is also like Sabine, according to like you know Rebels timeline, she should be like 30 by now. But like she's yeah. acting like like a 20 year old who you know who who's coming back to somebody she knew when she was 16 or something. So it's yeah. My okay. my my other thought is that the um the ship is not in Ahsoka's. My other thought is that that ship actually belongs to Young, and since he trained younglings, maybe that's their drawings on the ship. Uh, could be. That's that's a great idea. Yeah, I think it could take it either way. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, we get a moment where um, where the Jedi ship uh, goes through the ring and somehow they lose track of it. You know, all the sensors, even though they know exactly where they went. And then um, the ship goes, uh, the ship loses the shield. And with it, Hyong, who is doing a scan of the hyperspace ring. And we get this really bad photo that I put in there. Uh, but essentially, uh, Soka decides to go on a spacewalk and then decides to um do her do her spacewalk lightsaber deflection of all the shots there uh where sabine eventually uh, regains power and rotates the the foils of the ship in order to catch her from flying off space um if it, it felt a little weird um yeah the, yeah the suit for sabine or for ahsoka felt it was dumb okay we yeah just this is yeah i thought this was stupid yeah, it, I, it was. I, I agree. Like it was. It was bad, but at the same time, it's one of those times where I'm really glad that I have the ability to just sit back, shrug it off, and say, "I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna choose to enjoy this scene as ludicrous as it may be. It's fine, you know, but it's, uh, it's not good." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then finally, they make <clears throat> it into the atmosphere to Cetos, and then we get the appearance of the live-action Purgle emerging for the clouds, and they use the cover to go in uh, to hide from their pursuers. And then finally, uh, we get this shot of Balin, who's waiting at the uh, at the ring, uh, saying, "You know, they have to. Uh, it's time, and they're going to go hunt them down." And that's what rounds out the episode for episode three. Episode three being so far the shortest episode out of the series so far. Yeah, yeah. Disappointed with that short length. I'm like, man, is this how everything? So we really only have like two hours of show left, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, let's push for episode four. We're almost there. So uh, yeah. we we start off right where we left off in episode three. Uh, the the crew is there. Uh, they're docked at the inside of the forest in Cetos, uh, which we let her know they're about 10 kilometers away from where the ring would be. And we get this great scenery there. And I got to say, they did a fantastic job for the background for this because this felt very... Um, very anime to me you know having like what like what kind of looked like cherry blossoms in the background with it's very pretty it was fantastic the setting for this was just awesome it's a type um, of landscape yeah. we haven't seen in star wars before yes. yeah yeah exactly so then uh we get a, a scene where uh the uh, both sabine and ahsoka are inside of the ship uh like running diagnostics and then uh we get young who gets attacked by the hk droid uh who uh, they go into this fist fight here and for a hot second i'm like man i just really need him to use his extra arms and all of a sudden take out you know this the spare reserve lightsabers that he had and just cut this thing down but unfortunately he never got to and he starts yelling for help which causes uh sabine and uh soka to come in and basically clear out all the droids there 
um, I felt that I'm like, I, I really thought this was going to be his moment where he's going to show like a shred of badassery and just like take down all these droids with all the combat training that he knows. But uh, it, ended up, it ended up being like a setup for Sabine and Ahsoka. Yeah, it was all right. He he held his own. He did. Like, he you did. know, I, I thought he did pretty good. And he was, I have a feeling his programming is like, like, do not kill. And so he was just like, I almost had the sense of like, he was getting frustrated. He's like, Gosh, if only I was allowed to unload on you, you would be toast. <laughs> Asmodee's third law, no. Yes. <laughs> or Asimov's law. <laughs> so, yeah. So then we get, well, we turn back to uh, home one with Hera, uh, who in, in Hera fashion says, you know what? I don't need permission to go help my friends and decides to leave the ship. And we get this great view of the live action ghost and Hera and Jason uh, mm -hmm. in Chopper inside of the 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 um the cockpit for the ghosts as they take off and we get this beautiful scene of the uh new republic fleet uh where we get to see home one with uh with a couple of cruisers there we get to see a cr90 we get to see some of the new mc ships there um this was such a great scene uh seeing in live action mm -hmm. the ghost return uh to the great the the screen like what you guys think Oh, I, I I got a half chub uh, right away. It was uh, <laughs> it, no. We have nebulons there. We've got uh, you know, we, and then you had the X wings. I the, my biggest thing is why is she bringing her son? I guess I mean like yeah. like you're you're going and well, it turns out childcare is really expensive in the New Republic. <laughs> yeah. So yes. I'm like I would not be bringing him. Like like have somebody else. Like you know like and where's Zeb? Like get Zeb. We yes. Yes, exactly. So you know, we see Carson there, right? He's flying his X-wing. When he shows up, I was like, "Yes, he's fine. He's flying it." That means Zeb is there, and they go through all the pilots. Nope. I know Zeb Dave Filoni there. wasn't there, right? With yeah, Trapper right? Wolf. Wolf Trapper. Right? Yeah, Trapper yeah, Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. come on, Dave. Come, come on, Dave. On, you can man. wear the helmet. You you can fly. You can fly in the Ghost, and you can wear the hat. You know, <laughs> you, you can do it. We don't. Like, I, we'd I, all be okay with that. I, maybe Zeb went to go get Callus from you know from the the planet you know Dude, maybe you're talking that's I hope that's that he idea. shows up by the end of the season like he really he's got the mutton chops Callus and yes the mutton chops Callus yeah exactly so who, who who plays who plays Callus then who would you oh. pick to play Callus I mean if we're gonna oh. get a tangent like that let's let's tangent because I want to know that's, oh, wow. that's a really good one um, oh no that's not gonna work but. I, right. I, when I searched for mutton chops, I, I got uh, uh, Wolverine. Um, so, uh, the guy that plays Wolverine gosh, from uh, I was actually I was Logan gonna say the, I was gonna say the guy who plays Sa uh, Sabretooth from the first Wolver uh, Wolverine oh, movie. Uh, yeah, maybe. You leave Shriver. There we go. Yes. All right. I want Patrick Waterburn, the guy that does uh, the tick and all yes. the weird voices. That's who I yes, want. Yes, yes. That's actually a good, that's a good one. I think he could emulate, um, he could emulate the uh, callus very well. I think so. That'd be interesting. I don't know if he's got <laughs> to look for it, but I mean. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, they, uh, they jump into hyperspace, you know, heading over to CETOS uh, to try to track down this, uh, this threat that's going on. And then now we're back to the planet where, um, where Ahsoka Sabine 
come head to head with Merrick and with uh, with Shin. And now we get the duel between the two here. Um, I thought this was a great piece of cin- uh, cinema. You know, the way that they did all the shots for this, they really oh built the tension really well for it. You know, they did all the uh, the cinematography for the fights and everything really well. And we see um, we see Merrick, yeah, who was a very, very well trained in the Inquisitor arts. You know, really relying on the twin blades and spinning it and everything. And we get a great shot of Ahsoka just being able to slice right through and take him out. And we see a, a moment where he's defeated and you can see the, the saber blade right across his chest. And lo and behold, we see the uh, this green gas that comes out of him, which is exactly like the uh, the Night Sister magic that we've seen before in Rebels. Uh, is that what you think? You think it, you think it was uh, that he was like an, a zombie? So my theory so far is that this was actually the eighth brother, uh, which if you don't remember, at the end of season two, when they're in the temple on death on uh, on the guy who escaped, Alipar. yeah, he escaped and tried to uh, like escape on his saber, saber, and yeah. then it blows up and he falls to his death. I think that that's the same Inquisitor, and the Night Sisters use their magic to revive him and put him into their service. Oh well, it, it really put to bed all the the theories on who is this guy. But before he dies, I want to go back to what you were said about like so this scene being great. How many like Ahsoka went through about like four of the different like lightsaber forms? Like yes, like, I mean like she started like I think she went through like Ataro and Shicho and like all these. I'm yes. like wait a second, she knows like she did the Obi Wan Kenobi thing like exactly yes. as he did it in in Rebels when he fought Maul, and that yes. was like. And that was how she and, and she killed this guy almost the same way too. Like she did a tremendous job with those stances. She, yes. I think she did Vapod towards the end. Yeah, she too. did Vapod style. Yes, yeah, absolutely. it was really cool. Like what a great duel that was. One of the best, I will say. Really yeah. impressed. Yeah. Yeah, and so I guess I guess if you go with the theory that he he was raised from the dead, then I guess I could see the the way she hits him. Because the other option would be is that it is just the gas stuff inside of that suit. That it is literally like a manifestation of some sort. Now that gets this gets into like D and D territory, but I mean for Christ's sake, Christ's sake, the the you know the sisters are definitely on the outskirts of war for um, Star Wars. So yeah, I don't know. I was just I really wanted it to be Sam Witwer in there and not Star Killer Reborn, but like a just an Inquisitor who happened to be played by Sam Witwer, who would have been like a tribute to Star Killer. Uh, yeah. But I'm glad it wasn't a, a clone of Luke Skywalker, like or Ezra, or Ezra. Of course, yeah. it wasn't going to be Ezra, yeah, because nobody could come back from that except uh, apparently, you know, uh, Captain Pelion did. So I was still really curious about how all that worked. You know? Yeah. And we get this uh, this awesome shot with the rematch between uh, Shin and uh, Sabine, uh, who are fighting off using their own lightsabers there. And uh, finally, um, you know, she tells uh, Sabine tells Ahsoka to, you know, go on ahead that, that she's going to keep Shin occupied, and they have their own duel. And then finally, we get what I think was the star of this episode, uh, which is Ray Stevenson uh, interpreting um, uh, Skull. And this was by far, I think, the strongest performance of it of an antagonist so far that we've seen. I think he performed just perfect in this in this particular episode. He was he was a powerhouse for sure. Really good performance. So I have to ask, 
and and this has to be like a Star Wars thing. Like every time the enemy builds something, they got to put this long ass timer in here. Like we see this with a Death Star, we yeah. still have a Star Killer base. It's like here, let's take ten to fifteen minutes to power up this kyber crystal of massive swords to blow something up and they just sit there and it's like yep we're just gonna sit here send a few tie fighters do a few things you know like it's crazy yeah. like i'm sitting here and like this is what like half the episode we're watching this counter go up yeah I mean, come on like <laughs> this is ridiculous it was yeah it, well it seemed like it was going really slow and then like they were only like halfway and then like all of a sudden like I wonder what left was left on the cutting room floor because it felt like 30 seconds later, like, okay, we're done. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was it was like 25 minutes to get halfway done, and then it was like 25 seconds to get the other half. So like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It it was funny, right? Because like they showed this part, right, where it just barely gets past half. And then, you know, Ahsoka manages to remove the the uh the orb from its place, yeah. uh, you know, burning her hand when she does it. And then later on, when it gets removed, they're like, "Oh, it's instantaneous. It's done. We're we're good." <laughs> so I'm like, really? Like, come on! Like, and on top of that, you know, they've obviously spent a good part of episode number three, you know, staring at this map. And I'm like, you guys should have taken the time then to, you know, upload the map to the ship that was obviously running. Like, why do you wait now? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, they had to install the last hyperspace um, engine. That's why. Oh, you know what? It was running on Windows 11. They had to wait for the update. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then it was like one of those progress bars. It's like, oh, 99%. And then it wastes like a half an hour. So that's why I get inconsistent timers all the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the net, the one scene that we miss is because all of a sudden Ahsoka leaves, right? She goes back there. Where is Sabine? Sabine's still fighting Shin. And all of a sudden Shin bests her, right? And then, then we get the scene where she reaches out like she's going to do the force. And you're like, holy crap. Like it finally happens. JJ's got to pay out the bet, and then, yeah. <laughs> then, then she uses her Mandalorian tricks to knock the lightsaber out of her hand. Was yes, a brilliant scene. Yes, yeah. This scene was brought to you by Fen Rao. I just want to say, because <laughs> oh Fen, yeah. Fen Rao was the one who gave her the the uh, the, the gauntlets. Wrist, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the wrist gauntlets. Wrist launch. Yeah. Watch those yeah. wrist rockets. Yeah. <laughs> it was great, right? Because there was a moment where Shin, like, she does that, right? And Shin braces, like, waiting for it to come. And then she's like, you have no power here. It felt like straight out of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, yes. you have no power here. And then she uses that, and she knocks out her lightsaber. Now, my question is, does she destroy the lightsaber? Maybe. I I think it was just, like, yeah. shorted out. Like, it probably just needs a repair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not broken. You'll see her use it again. I mean, she didn't get killed in this episode, which means she's going to die in some kind of duel, and it's going to be awesome, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So then we mm -hmm. return to the duel between uh, Balin and Ahsoka, and Ahsoka it gets completely overpowered by Balin uh, to the point that he knocks her off the edge there um, in front of Sabine, uh, who's holding the orb hostage there. Um, and then finally, uh, we see Sabine threatening to... Um, to destroy the orb and Balin takes a moment and it feels like he's using the force to read her mind yes and then uses his his ability to manipulate her emotions and he says something very curious he says that he's upset with Ahsoka uh, for the death of her family because her master didn't trust her so that was a very curious piece of dialogue that he says there and I wonder if 
in somewhere in between this time, you know, Battle of Endor and here, we know that the purge happens with Moth Gideon, um, you know, decimating Mandalore. Did they have advanced knowledge that this was going to happen and Ahsoka did not let Sabine go? Yeah, that's, that's what I, my, my thought was like, she didn't trust you to go fight in the wars because you would have died too. Is like, you know, but, but she'll feel like I could have made the difference or I could have gotten them out or something like that. I think that's probably where they were, what, what actually played out. You know, that, that, but that was, that was kind of crazy. And I'm like, I also knew there was no way she was going to shoot that thing. I'm like, come on. There was yeah. such a build up with the like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like, oh, you're not going to yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. I, it was her only ticket to go see Ezra and to go find him. There was no way that she was going to blow that up. There was just no way. I think it's not her only ticket. Really? And yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all right. Well, I'll save it for the end, uh, the end of the episode. Because, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so we we advance uh, forward where uh, Balin and um, and and Shin take Sabine hostage and bring him about uh, aboard the ship, and they find Hera coming out of hyperspace uh, with the the rest of the X wing squadron, and they go into hyperspace, sending all these X wings careening into each other from the force of the hyperspace, uh, from I guess from the ship going into hyperspace, and we see a couple of the X-Wings collide against each other. And I was for a hot second thought, man, they're gonna kill Carson off by slamming him into the ghost. And thankfully he didn't. He didn't, yes. he's alive. <laughs> he survived. Well, and, and it, as soon as they brought like more than one X-Wing, you're like, oh okay, so we need some disposable X-Wing because something's <laughs> gonna happen. You know, uh, of course, you know, like there's got to be something to make like, hey, we need T-70s, so we got to destroy a bunch of T-65s, you know. <laughs> I'm sure like when Hera was calling him, I was like, do you want T-70s or T-65s? She's like, oh, I'll bring the T-65s. Yeah, we don't bring the T-70s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, so we, we see that the um, that the Imperial forces managed to go into hyperspace heading towards their destination uh, with their coordinates locked in. And then finally, we the end of the episode, we wake up and Ahsoka finds herself finds herself in the world between worlds. Oh, how do you know that? You cannot guarantee that. Um, I mean, I, I mean we, we saw it. <laughs> I saw it. It was that it's definitely what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty conclusive that that road that she's on and how everything kind of curves or anything like that matches pretty exactly what we saw in the end of season four of Rebels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, so I, I want to rewind just a little. Sure. I know because the, 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 the world between worlds is the big thing, you know, but when they went to hyperspace, how, were you guys, I, I was thinking the whole time, like, oh, they're going to get caught in the hyperspace bubble. Like, that's how this plays out. Hera and the X-Wings get also sucked. And now you've got like this tiny rebel cell against the seventh fleet. And then, you know, that's how the rest of the season is going to play out. And Hera's like, mm -hmm. how do we overpower a, the Star Destroyer with only four X-Wings and the Ghost, you know? Like, but then Ezra gets on board and helps him. You know, he's like, I know the weak spot, you know? And like, there you go. That's like, that's a whole episode. I thought for sure that was going to happen. And no, it, it, it would. Yeah, you need so. proton torpedoes, Hera. Yeah, yeah. You need a gas cloud Jason Jason will guide them in and in era yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Jason Sandula using the force to guide them through hyperspace. Oh. Mm. I, oh man. So that's, no, no, that's not that's not it. That's not no, it. I agree with you though. I was very confused why they why why they didn't get to go along with it. Like to me, like in the past, 
or why it didn't just shred all the ships instantaneously. Like all of that them was one just in a million, been... dude. <laughs> God, it's a whole, you, nobody can do the Holdo maneuver except for Holdo. That was one in a million, right? So I guess. <laughs> so there is precedent, right? Because there's an episode in Rebel season four where Hera takes the broken U-wing and they put the Tide Defender uh, hyperdrive in it, and she takes it to escape Lothal and essentially bring the rebellion to come and try to liberate Lothal. And there's a scene where she jumps into hyperspace through a hangar. Uh, for one of the stations that they had up there uh, for the Imperial hangar and the force of her mass going through it essentially causes everything inside of the hangar to get forcibly pushed out into the open like back jet stream. Right? Yeah, exactly. So something similar would have happened with the ring. They essentially traveled through the open space through the ring, but the the velocity of that mass of uh, from the ring itself is what caused the ships to essentially tumble and smash into each other. That makes that makes a little bit of sense. It, it's better than them all dying, but it's not as cool as them going with. But I'll yeah. say this: if they had gone with, I'm thinking somebody's got to fly down to the planet and pick up Ahsoka because yeah. she's going to be like she's going to wake up in a pool in a puddle and she's like, "Oh no, I fell down," you know. So I was like, "Oh, well, okay." They they land, and I'm thinking to myself, "The whales will take them." They showed the whales for a reason, not yes. just as an Easter egg for rebels, but they know that the the that the the purgles go from this planet to there. And that's, and while that's cool, that also is like a, it's like a big thing that I think people are going to complain about as they really sit down and think about it. I'm like, wait, you guys, the bad guys spent all these years trying to get this map and this, this technology and took all these risks to build this giant thing so they could go there when the whales could have taken them all along if they would have just, you know, like, it's just that's, just how, that's how these tropes kind of go is like the bad guys trying to do this impossible thing, like episode nine was the same way with like oh she's got the only map whoa well kylo ren can just fly there too because you know because he can you know and that's what they're gonna do and it's because they're gonna probably ride on the purgles and yeah and jason might be the one to talk to the purgles too that would be cool actually yeah that would right. be cool i'm jumping too far i'm jumping yeah. into the future no worries <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the of the of the scene right we see ahsoka hearing anakin's voice and when she turns around she sees the the younger unfallen anakin right i guess you could say that right? he calls Before her snips and he calls her snips yes I exactly which is great i got goosebumps when he said that yeah so all right here's the debate here is this a force ghost or is this a force memory much like kylo ren saw with han solo in episode nine or or so the end so when you all kind of like laughed at me about the world between worlds thing that's the idea here is because if this is a force ghost, there is still a possibility that she's dead, right? And being given time to live. The probability of that's got to be low, right? But on the opposite scale, if this is the world between worlds, it's probably not a force ghost walking on these little things. That's That was not a thing that we had seen, per se, in, 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 in Rebels before, right? So the idea of the multiverse and the time-traveling piece of it is now being interjected here. So Anna can literally be <clears throat> time traveling in some weird way, shape, or form to come back and either help or warn her based on this. So here's what I think. It's definitely not a force ghost. Uh, and here's how you know it's not a force ghost. We saw Anakin's force ghost. Anakin wore white traditional Jedi robes in his force ghost. He was the, like, like the best version of himself. He doesn't, wasn't wearing the black and brown. 
So this guy is wearing the black and brown, which is the flawed but still good-hearted Anakin Skywalker. So not really. I mean, granted, they could have just made a mistake and put the wrong Anakin in there. You know, they want more <laughs> recognizable. But whatever universe he's from, I think it's definitely opening the door. I hope it's opening the door for a Star Wars multiverse. And so we can hopefully get like a what if Star Wars one day. You know, what if Luke and Leia had swapped places and Leia was the farm girl? And I want to see all of that played out. It'd be freaking awesome. That would be great, actually. But whatever universe this Anakin came from, he had excellent skincare products. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all that the back to cream there was no yeah he, he came from a planet without any sand or he came he came from like camino or something yeah 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 it's camino it was, introduces an interesting thing could it be a clone anakin did somebody clone anakin oh from his I mean, from the hand that dooku chopped off yep I right? mean, there's lots of things same thing they did with luke and luke you know from the books heir to the empire which i already thought was maruk you know and not everybody oh yeah yeah good point yeah i i know i I think she's i i think she's in the world between worlds but i have no idea how she got there and unless somebody pulled her like last time and who could have pulled her i don't think it would have been anakin but maybe he did pull her maybe he's a time traveling you know a different version of anakin i mean look hayden christensen wants to come back maybe they're just looking for an excuse to do it and they said hey we we Rebels set up a lot of stuff that they're actually paying off, which is cool. And this could be another thing that they really set up deliberately. I mean, almost everything they do sets up a lot of future stuff, but most of it doesn't get paid off. Like we never went yeah. back to Solo and said, hey, what happened with Kira? Oh, what happened with these Marauders and Infa's Nest? We, like we never went back and revisit all these things that were set mm -hmm. up years ago. Here's something that they're going back and revisiting. And I can't wait to see yeah. where it goes. And I yeah. think I think Catherine brings up a good point that if we think about it, when they were traveling in the world between worlds and they were interacting, it could have been anything from the past because we see Ezra right going in and pulling old Ahsoka somewhere. So what if Anakin did travel? Now you know they said it's when they did the Mortis arc, right? But what yeah. if Anakin did do something like that and did and just doesn't know he's going to become Darth Vader yet? Um, which will make this in, this interaction extremely interesting because does Ahsoka tell? Does Ahsoka not tell? Like, there's yeah. got to be a million questions she has. And this like, was never in any of the trailers, mm -hmm. so this is obviously a heavily spoiler moment. And whatever yeah. conversation proceeds is also obviously heavily spoiler. So definitely stay off the internet next Tuesday night if you can, you know to until yeah. you can watch it because I mean I, I really hope they have a good conversation here. Yeah. But at the same time, not too long of a conversation because I still want to get to Thrawn, you know? It's yeah. Like, oh. So do you think we're actually going to finally see Thrawn and more for than like 30 seconds for the next episode? Not in the next episode. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they'll take the next episode and do a sidebar and it'll be the the one after that where they get... Where they, where they, I think the next episode will be mostly about like how do we follow them? How do we follow them? And then how... And Ahsoka's like, how do I you know, deal with whatever, you know, Anakin's about to say to her. He did say that he's been waiting for her, like, you know, or something like that. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. So I have two two last things real quick, and then we, we got to wrap this up because I don't want every time I do one of these and then we take like six yeah. hours to talk about one episode and probably bore the hell out of people. But could easily do that. Um, so, so two things, two, two things, and, and I'll list them both off and then we can kind of go in order. We'll let Tim go first and then, uh, JJ after, but 
So a lot of people have given Star Wars crap, you know, about about not going after the fans. I feel Ahsoka is a very fan enthusiast show. There is so much like stuff inside of here that if you don't know what's going on, it's a lot harder to follow. It's still, I feel, a very coherent story. And it's kind of like one of those things like like for me, it's like when I pick a new book series up and you jump in and all of a sudden like like two chapters in, you're like, who is these 70 different characters? I don't know who the hell they are. But by the time you get to the end of the book or you get to book two, all of it makes sense. And you're in love with all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So this like that's the, the, the first question is, is how do how do you all feel? Because a lot of people have accused them of going after and fan baiting in stupid and silly ways. Whereas this feels like all of the fan references and everything is not like that. It's, it's not just this like slight nod to say here, Oh, we put Chewie in a uniform today or, you know, Mm. stuff like that. So that's the first question is how how do you feel about that? And how do you feel how they're, they're directing this series? And then the second question that comes in to kind of tailor off of, do you think we're going to see Thrawn is, do you think that this, the, we end up getting this night sister and Balin and all these people are not actually out to get Thrawn to bring him back to rule the hair uh, to be the hair of the empire. But that was just this big ruse that he's, they're actually bringing, trying to bring him back to create, um, you know, to create a stoppable force. Cause they know somebody's cloning Palpatine. They know that Maxine warriors are being trained to become, you know, these insane troopers that are now part of the rebellion. And that's, that goes back to a Leia book. If you haven't read mm-hmm. that yet, 100% should read that book. That book is amazing. Yeah, um, bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Yes. But anyway, so those are the two questions. One, do you feel that this, this episode or that this series is, is too far in the weeds for the average person? Or is it, is this like the thing that we needed as the ultimate fans? And then the second question boiled down is, do you feel that these people are not actually the enemies in the long run and they are coming back to try to help um, get rid of another Palpatine or maybe another dimension? I don't know. Maybe we're going to a whole new universe. Well, all right. So uh, so I'll start off. Uh, I I think the show would have benefited a little bit better by starting out with somebody just talking like an, like a... a, a, a Hi, my name's Harrison Dula. Years ago, I fought with, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like a, a little bit of a, uh, a prologue. It needed a prologue to set the stage because there was too much of that exposition, which, and some of it was fan service. Like you're talking like the Loath Cat was a little bit of fan, a little bit of fan service. By the way, she just abandoned that Loath Cat when she left there, but <laughs> I guess they're wild. You know? So like, I, I feel bad if the Loath Cat, Loath Cat's still locked in the house and like doesn't know how to use the can opener. So hopefully she let it outside for. But um, but yeah, like Hera would have been the perfect narrator for like to tell the story so far. And like we needed that because we also, you know, need a little bit of like, wait, when did Ahsoka start training Sabine and when did it stop? And, you know, what can you tell us about that? You know, as opposed to just a little bit of, you know, delayed exposition. So, you know, so while there's definitely some fan service, I think some of the fan service is not just cheap fan service either like having Hu yang as a important and significant character he was a throwback but he's also a really important storytelling device by calling out you know some people are going to think wait is is sabine a jedi and he's like no no she's not she's clearly not like trust me she stinks with the force you know so he's there to to really advance the plot of the story as well as being a fan service so a lot of that type of stuff is really good 
Um, there are obviously some fan service bits, but uh, but for the most part, I think the, the those those fan service bits are done really well. On to question number two with with the Thrawn stuff, I. I have a feeling that the bad guys are the bad guys, that they definitely do want to bring him back, possibly try to put some ma witch magic on him to make sure that he, you know, rewards them and he's, you know, that his goals align with theirs. But I think Thrawn's going to be the one who's just like, no, 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 this is a way more important threat. Like, I'm not going to wage war on the New Republic. Uh, you know, we need to wage war on on the grisk or the or whoever that you know this or maybe a new threat in this other galaxy um i think that's probably the bigger thing and maybe he's like got a plan maybe he's exterminating whales so he seems like a bad guy and he's like no no the reason i'm exterminating whales is because they're about to bring you know the all the this termite aliens back into our galaxy so we've got to you know and then they'll or whatever would you know threaten chila or, or the chess people so I think Thrawn's going to turn out to be, I hope he Thrawn turns out to be like the hero-ish kind of, but still villain. Like I'm doing what needs to be done, even though it's unsavory. All right, JJ. So for the first question, I think that, yeah, they, they definitely could have done with a prologue with explaining a little bit for it. But at the same time, um, I think it also slows down the story a little bit. And like i could appreciate them trying to like the direction that they're going with right now with like you know you're familiar with the characters and we're not going to take time to explain them because it would waste an entire episode and they just went straight into the action and i do appreciate that right um it does it does hinder the experience for the casual viewer um to not know who these characters are or why they're important um but at the same time you know they're trying to get to the the gist of the story and establish like the relationship or what's what's um what's left of these characters where they're at where their mindset is currently um by exploring the current events and you kind of get a little bit of the story as the story progresses right as far as the second question um i i'm very much of the belief that an antagonist in a story isn't always a villain um and you can see that with with balin right balin especially in his monologue with or his dialogue with ahsoka in the beginning talks about you know how he knew anakin um and talks about how he knew how he uh, how he fell and how very little people knew about it and he also makes a brief comment about how he lost the faith uh which is mm -hmm. why he's not a jedi anymore and those are just little bits of information that we get that gives us a, a view into this this character's uh, motivation, right? Um, why they are who they are. Because obviously they're using dark side powers, but they're not Sith. Um, they still very much follow a lot of the Jedi principles with the way how he has Shin as his as his apprentice, and she still has like the, the little apprentice braid uh, or the... Um, Padawan the, the Padawan braid, yeah. yeah. And um, so he he's he's actively trying to teach her the ways of the force and and kind of using both sides of the teachings and probably leans a little more towards the dark side. Um, but he doesn't quite strike me as a villainous character. He just strikes me as an antagonist, right? He's he's doing all this because this is a means to an end for him. 
I think that they'll do the same with Thrawn the same way. Um, because, you know, as we know, Thrawn, he doesn't have a political agenda. He's just there to get results um, for his ultimate goal, which is to protect his people and ultimately protect the Empire because he swore an oath for that to protect the Empire. And we've known previously in books that his loyalty has always been questioned and he always wants to be loyal to both the Empire and to the Chiss Ascendancy. Mm-hmm. So I think that... Hopefully, if we get enough time to really explore where Thrawn is, where his state of mind is right now, we'll get to see the um, the culmination of that. Like, what's where is this going to lead Thrawn? And yes, he'll be an antagonist because he he's loyal ultimately to to the people that he swore loyalty to, to the Empire and to the Chess, and that's going to put him at odds with the New Republic and the Jedi. So, um, hopefully, that plays out very well. All right, so I'll leave you with this instead of going on a long pre-ramble. I feel, personally, I feel that that this is definitely um, the fan service we needed, and I feel it still stands up and holds on to its own, and you don't need to know all the lore. It just makes this better. And I, I look at Andor, and we didn't get a bunch of stuff leading up to Andor to say, hey, do you know all these people? Does anybody watch Rogue One? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and yet that was still a very entertaining story. This is just a Jedi story, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't feel, personally, I feel people just want to complain to complain. And that's my my belief. And I would say if they want to give me another four episodes like they did with Andor that, and, and fill out the backstory, great. I don't think we're getting that, though. Um, <clears throat> as for Thrawn, so this is this is all I'm going to say. Because I have very strong feelings about my opposition uh, to them trying to bring the hair of the Empire Thrawn back. I did not. Once I got the new set of books, that's what I like. Here's here's what I'll leave you with. If you go back to those books and you you go through the whole story of it all, one of the big things that happens at the very end of the last trilogy, you both read the trilogy, right? Yeah. I read all of, well, all of the new stuff, including all the, new the stuff. prequel stuff, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the very end, what happens? They send him into exile. <clears throat> in yep, because <clears throat> they believe Jixtus is a larger threat mm-hmm. than anything else. Thrawn is sacrificing his career, all of his stuff to go undercover and miraculously guess who discovers and finds him. Just saying. To throw it out there that I do not feel that Thrawn was any more loyal to the Empire than he had to be for his position. Rebels skews some of this a little bit with yeah. how he acts, but if you can ignore this like they have before, I that's it's, that's my the, feeling is what we're gonna see. The question is, which Thrawn are they gonna do? Rebels <clears throat> Thrawn or the or the book Thrawn? Because if it's book Thrawn, I really hope it's book Thrawn. I yeah, I so, do too. Hence yeah. why I asked you the question of, do you really think yeah. that we're gonna we, Thrawn's gonna be the ultimate bad guy in in the long run? They could be. This whole thing could just be setting up for what happens after Palpatine. I sure hope so. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you um, guys for having me. If you don't know Tim, we'll have his YouTube channel in the link section inside of our thing. JJ, thank you for joining me this week and finally being able to catch up. Um, once yeah. Sabine throws something with the Force, you'll owe me like a hundred dollars, and we'll we'll be we'll be all set. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you all. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week for another Universe Extended. Have a good night, everybody. Good night.